0: On today's show, the Hawks lose their third straight game, fall to 18 and 26 on the season. We'll get into all of what transpired in San Francisco and what became a two-game woodless road trip to California. And we'll get into all of that right now. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello friends, welcome to episode 1637 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you deep into the night here on a Wednesday evening into Thursday, and today's show is brought to you by the folks at FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, if you're a new customer, get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet, visit FanDuel.com slash On to get started. Also, at the top of the podcast, I should encourage you make us your first listen each and every day, please subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple and Spotify on the audio side, as well as YouTube on the video side. And today's show will focus on what became a third straight loss for the Hawks in an 0-2 road trip. They fall to 18-26 and in the season with a 134-112 to loss on the road against the Warriors. They were underdogs to tip off in this game pretty solidly, according to our friends at FanDuel, and they trailed for the majority of the game, although it was close in the middle. It was competitive, at least somewhat competitive, until the fourth quarter, and then they kind of never made a run, though, in the second half. They got rocked by 21 points after halftime on the way to the 22-point final margin in this game. And um, as you might expect, like this is kind of a all-quadrant loss for Hawks. Um, Trey Young did miss this game. He's still in, in the concussion protocol, I think it's a decent chance he's back on Friday, but nothing official at this point in time. People asking about timelines. The NBA is kind of intentionally not setting timelines on concussion protocol stuff. You have to test out of it. Um, We knew he'd be out for this trip because he would not travel with the team. But Friday's a home game. Um, Anyway... With him out, Bruno Fernando was out in this game with back spasms. De'Andre Hunter, who the Hawks do miss, was out in this one. And they had 11 guys active in the game. The Warriors had not been playing all that well recently, and they actually had not played a game in more than a week due to the tragedies surrounding their team after losing an assistant coach uh, about a week ago. Um, but look, this is a game that the Hawks just did not play very well in. If you asked me before the game if the Hawks were going to win, I would say possibly, but not super likely to do so. And uh, in the first half, it was you know going reasonably well. In the second half, not as much. And the Warriors are the better team on paper. Even though they're not playing great right now, take Trey away and put the game in San Francisco. And obviously, things lean to the Warriors. That was the case in this one. Um, but still, like it was kind of an offensive and defensive loss. A kind of all-quadrant loss. And in a lot of ways, though, it might have been like how stark the bench struggles were. Aside from Patty Mills making some shots in the first half, the Hawks stars were kind of okay in this one. The bench was not okay in this one. We'll go to the offense first, though, which kind of fell apart after halftime. I will say on the positive side, the Hawks offense was pretty good, especially without Trey in that first half, about 1.3 points per possession before halftime. Unfortunately, they were still down one at the break, despite all of that. But the second half was really gross on offense. Like I would argue, um, if you said, you know, every both halves are, you know, separate, I would say the worst thing that the Hawks did in this half was their second half offense. They scored 44 points after halftime. They had an 89.8 offensive rating after halftime. Just for reference, if you're not into all these numbers, the league worst offense is like 105, and the Hawks were at about 90, essentially, after halftime. They were 15 of 44 from the field after halftime, 3 of 17 from 3, which speaks for itself. They missed 6 free throws after halftime. The only guy who shot better than 40% from the field, which is also bad in itself, after halftime was a Kong Wu, who was actually just 2 for 2 from the field. So... Pretty rough stuff there, and when you kind of contrast that with the first half, they ended up with about a 112 offensive rating in this game, which isn't a total disaster. Like, if you say, you know, no tray, that's like a pretty reasonable number for the Hawks to score, but it felt pretty brutal by the end. They shot 41% from the field in the game, 33% from three. They did have 30 assists in this one and only 11 turnovers, and they did win the glass. They took more free throws than the opponent, but the shooting swings were really all against the Hawks in this one. And you know, contrary to previous years where the Warriors were this great shooting team, yes, they have Stephen Clay. They don't have great shooting necessarily, and the Hawks are not great as a shooting team either, especially without Trey. But uh, to sense uh, mostly, by the way, Trey's a good shooter, also just setting shots up as a great passer. But regardless, the offense is just like you know, they just didn't have enough juice in the second half of this one. Dejounte was fine; he carried usage. He was he he was the leading scorer with twenty three points, but. Everybody else, you know, Jalen Johnson had a big first half. He cooled off in this one. The perimeter shooting was okay until the second half, but not a lot going to the rim from the Hawks in this game. And they did have six guys in double figures. But again, aside from Jalen Johnson's first half, no one was, like, truly excellent for Atlanta in this one. And you kind of felt that across the board as the offense uh, sputtered out, first with the bench and then with the starters even when they came back in the fourth quarter. Um, Defensively, it was not very good the entire way, to be honest. They had a 133 defensive rating in the game that's rough in any context obviously the Warriors are not great offensively this year yes they have Steph but they're not fantastic and they scored at least 31 points in every single quarter in the game if you're looking for a positive the Hawks were pretty good on the glass in this game on both ends of the floor and they actually allowed only 22 free throw attempts which is rock solid I would say but I thought about how poorly the Hawks shot the ball in the second half Golden State was the opposite they shot 59% from the field after halftime with 15 assists for the game they were 49 percent from three that was a huge swing apparently especially when compared to the Hawks ugliness from three after halftime 10 turnovers 56 percent from the field um my favorite stat or maybe my least favorite stat depending on how you want to frame that I would say is that the Warriors according to our friends at cleaning the glass and they do a great job pulling these um interesting nuanced stats the Warriors according to them scored 2.14 points per possession in transition in the game. So essentially they scored more than two points every time they had a possession where it was not just a half court like when they had some sort of advantage in the transition game. That is horrific. That is 99th percentile basically the best you could possibly be and um the Hawks were just awful defensively in transition. Now it's not always going to show up in fast break points. That's a that's a useful metric but sometimes um scores and it's kind of tough to like say, with what's a fast break versus transition in a lot of ways. Um, the worst, you know, this is, this is one of those, this is part of that stat. The Hawks only had 11 turnovers in the game, which is actually quite good, but they led directly to 22 points, which, by the way, two points per possession there, that's part of what transpired in transition, but it wasn't even necessarily getting back. I know Lauren Williams at the AJC asked Quinn after the game in San Francisco basically about the tra- transition defense, and Quinn talked about, like, it wasn't, like, n- not getting back, and I tend to agree, like it was like they were not getting back effort wise. It was just execution wise. Perhaps the most glaring aspect of that, we'll probably come back to later on. there was a trip in the first half where Steph Curry, by far the number one guy on the scouting report for the Warriors, was able to dribble the ball up a transition without the balls being stopped at all. Like Bogey turned around and was going the other way. Like it was just bizarre execution. And look, it was an emotional scene um, in San Francisco, especially for Bogey in particular for the Hawks. If you missed all of that from last week, um, he was close with the um, assistant coach for the Warriors that passed away. So I'm sure he was, you know, in a million different places tonight. It wasn't just him, but they just did not execute at all in the, defensively in really any aspect. Um, there was some reasonable rim protection in this game when they got there, but you know, anyway, it was it was rough. It was like the starters were great again, but by the time the like, garbage time arrived, the Hawks were like. Minus in the single digits on all the starters, basically they were beat starters versus starters, but not in a significant way. But the bench was truly bad. They got annihilated. The Hawks wasted some opportunities. I thought in the second half, in particular, with the Warriors, uh, when it was still competitive, and the Warriors are not great. You know, Steph Curry is the centerpiece and everything for the Warriors, and they actually won his minutes by sorry his non-minutes, him him on the bench minutes by like double digits. That can't happen if you're trying to win the game on the road. But look a lot what i would say at the end of this sort of segment is this game is another reminder of kind of where the hawks are and i will always say like without trey it's not like you're evaluating the full hawks team but the, but the depth concerns were were there um all of the defensive concerns were there in a lot of different ways in this game and it's again it's a reminder to me about like why this team is open for business when it comes to trade stuff i've done a lot of trade interviews in other places of uh, laker shows and radio stations and nick stuff and all that and like you know it's just reminder after reminder that that there's a reason why the Sox team is kind of in this phase right now where they can kind of go any direction and it's because they're 18 and 26 like I know they'd be in the play-in right now if the season ended but that's maybe the 10 seed they don't feel like a play-in team they feel like worse than that to be honest with you and again you have to acknowledge that without Trey and DeAndre Hunter who does matter on this team they would be a lot worse than they are even overall and that was the case in this game but man it was uh the first half was like kind of a pleasant surprise. They were playing pretty well on offense, et cetera. And then the second half arrived and then it's just like, you know, you you want to put too much on one half, but it was rough stuff. And, uh, end of a weird road trip. I will certainly acknowledge that some schedule stuff that was not kind to the Hawks in the last week, but the results are what they are. They're 18, 26. And, uh, Pretty frustrating times if you are a Hawks fan, I'm sure, at this point in time. I've heard, I've heard from a lot of you already. I'll probably hear from more of you. But uh, if you're wondering why the Hawks are open for business, this is a probably good, another uh, reminder and indication of why that happens to be. All right, we'll have more on this game when it comes to how it unfolded, my observations during the game, and at the end of the podcast, my player analysis. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by Hunger Root. Are you trying to eat healthier this year? I know I am, and Hunger Root is here to help you out by making meal planning easy and nutritious. With Hunger Root, you can build habits around eating healthy that will not disappear by the month of February. They have support for gluten-free and vegan and vegetarian, dairy-free and low-carb options, plus more. And customers of Hunger Root also save money on groceries. When you eat out less, you save money and you save time. Hunger Root is the easiest way to get high fresh fresh and high-quality foods delivered directly to your door. They have healthy groceries as well and simple recipes all in one place. Take a fun, short quiz with Hungry Root right now, and they'll get to know you, your goals, and how you like to eat your food. They'll ask you what kind of flavors you like, which appliances you happen to use, and more. And then, they'll keep your needs and preferences top of mind and start building around your carts with delicious recipes and all the groceries needs that you actually need for your week. They'll then recommend recipes and groceries based on your taste. You can take the suggestions if you want to, or choose anything that you want, from fresh produce to high-quality meats and seafood healthy snacks and much more and they go beyond your weekly grocery haul with thousands of easy recipes recipes to put groceries to good use before they get actually forgotten in the back of your fridge and hunger there are some pillars everything has to take, taste good be quick to make and also contain whole trusted ingredients Spend less time meal planning, shopping, and cooking, and more time enjoying the healthy food that you absolutely love with the folks at Hunger Roots. And right now, Hunger Root is offering Locked On House listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. And the place to go is HungryRoot.com slash Locked On to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. One more time, that is HungryRoot.com slash Locked On. Don't forget to use that link so they will know that we sent you to them. Today's show is brought to you by ebay motors passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive and at ebay motors they have everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance and superchargers and roof racks and exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered across the board with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you will always find exactly what you're looking for at ebay motors and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber and of course not burning cash with all the parts that you need at prices that you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win that you are seeking keep your ride or die alive right now at ebaymotors.com one more time the place to go is ebaymotors.com ebay guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers eligible as only exclusions apply all right and to have this game unfolded and I will say it was emotional at the top of the game on really all sides the Warriors of course playing their first game in nine days paying tribute to Deki the assistant coach who passed away last week unexpectedly Um, I mentioned Bogey before but also Hawks assistant Igor Kokoskov was close to him as well I heard a lot from people that were there about how there were not any dry eyes in the house before tip-off there were some you know players visually crying before the game like tough stuff in a lot of ways and a challenge for the Warriors I'm sure and the Hawks did start this game well, actually. They made the, actually scored on their first four possessions. They had 10 points, a three by Bogey, uh, sorry, by Bay, one by Murray, uh, buckets to the rim from Capella and Johnson. The Hawks made their first five shots in this one, and it was like, all right, here we go. And then the Hawks missed their next 13 shots and fell behind. So the first quarter was mostly literally the Hawks going five for five, 0 for 13, and then making three shots in a row for that. Just a wild stretch of time. That aforementioned possession that I talked about first in this podcast – about the one where Steph kind of just waltzed down the court by himself. That happened in that first quarter run with the Warriors taking the lead. Luckily, Golden State was kind of cold early in this one. They were seven of 18 from the field at the outset, but they were down seven at the the end of the first quarter, despite making seven threes. Not usually good when you make seven threes in a quarter and you're losing, uh, much less by seven points, Um, but the Warriors were getting whatever they wanted to on offense Um, rotationally. It was the same nine guys who had been playing for the Hawks for a while. Um, with Trey out and of course with Hunter out, um, not not much to add there. There was a uh, Patty Mills who actually got, was hot early in the in this game. Made, made, actually made his first two threes and helped out a lot on offense. But uh, everybody else kind of struggled off the bench. Uh, I thought just for me, you know, Trent Forrest has his weaknesses in general. I didn't like playing Trent Forrest without Steph on the floor in this one, and I'm sure it was just the way the rotation broke down. They've been kind of playing Trent with Murray off the court in these non-Trey games. But I would have tried to, at least if you were going to have to play Trent, I think they probably did want to play Trent in this game. Having him defend Steph is the way to kind of like get actually some value out of Trent because his offense is so limited, but they didn't really do that, which I didn't love in this one. Uh, They were down by 10 early in the second quarter, but they actually kind of went a nice run after that. Jalen Johnson had a great skip pass to Patty Mills for corner three and finished at the rim very strongly. Patty got a steal and the bogey hit a three and they were suddenly back within one. The Hawks were nine of 20 from three in the first 15 minutes of this game, which is huge volume, and also shooting the ball very well. Um, but 9 of 20 became, uh, the next 23, the rest of the game was 5 of 23. So they got colder and also took less of them as the game went along, but the bench was actually heaving threes early on. They played a little bit of two-center lineup tonight with Capella and Kongwu. It did okay, didn't dominate, but it was just all right, I would say. in this, They had actually one great possession at the end of the first half. They had this, um, it was actually with the starters back in the game, where Capella found Bogey on a kickout pass, then he swung it to Murray, who swung it to Bay for a corner three that was wide open. He made it. It was really pretty basketball in a lot of ways. And there were more of that. um There was a nice run at the end of the half as well, but Jalen Johnson kind of keyed that one with a 7 0 run at the end. Capella had two great defensive possessions in a row. One where he kind of stonewalled Steph Curry in space one on one. That was a nice throwback to his Houston days, I would say. Uh, Hawks got a steal on that play when Jalen kind of went, went trapped, and they got a steal on the, on the backside. So they played well at the end of the half, down one at halftime. I gave all these numbers earlier, but they shot the ball incredibly well in that first half, 11 assists in the second quarter. They had a 37-point quarter in the second quarter, which is a lot of points in any way. So 37 points in a quarter without DeJounte Murray scoring a point in the quarter. Again, the Hawks' best offensive quarter in this game was without DeJounte scoring, which is already weird in itself. And then you throw in the the fact that Trey didn't play in this game, and if you told me that the Hawks had a 37-point quarter without DeJounte scoring a point... That would have been like genuinely shocking. And how about this? DeJounte led the team in scoring in this game and did not score in a quarter. And it was that quarter that had the best offense. It was just a weird, weird, weird setup across the board there. Um, Really, the the best half by anyone for the Hawks in this game was the first half by Jalen Johnson, who had 17 points, six rebounds and five assists before halftime. Now, he cooled off a lot, but that was his first career half with at least 15, five and five. And I'm sure there'll be more of those in the future. Um, the Warriors did shoot better than the Hawks did still in the first half, but um, as I sort of alluded to earlier, the second half, not as kind in a lot of ways. I thought defensively they actually played pretty well early in the third quarter. They actually took a small lead for the only time in the entire game, really. But then Golden State found it first. The Hawks were not making any shots before DeJounte found them at a three to kind of break a drought in the middle of the third quarter. Um, But they kind of fell apart late in the third, a 7-0 run by the Warriors to kind of go up by 10. They had a shot clock violation in there that was pretty rough stuff offensively. Bogey made a three late in the quarter I was kind of like the only positive in the last few minutes of that period um they lost that with Steph on the bench as I, as I said before as well they were kind of fortunate I thought to be down only nine at the end of the third quarter despite scoring less than a point per, per possession but it kind of uh didn't let up from there um they're down 15 points by the eight minute mark of the fourth quarter Patty had a terrible turnover about mid-court that led to a pretty easy one. Um, it just got smashed with the bench on the floor garrison and trent in particular were really rough um it got a little better when the stars came back in it kind of stabilized but when you're down 15 points in the fourth quarter you can't just stabilize you have to actually make a run that didn't actually happen and then they got down 20 with like five minutes to go there was a sequence where the Warriors won a challenge on a goaltending call it took two points off the board and then steph made a three right after that that was kind of the dagger like it was probably already over but that was really kind of when it was officially over for me and uh by the end it was all garbage time they brought in Seth Lundy and AJ Griffin for the last couple minutes of this one and uh yeah all the way to the end so second half 65 to 44 in favor of Golden State and that tells you the story honestly the first half was not bad from the Hawks they played them pretty much to a draw and again as a six and a half seven point underdog in this game in the betting Market to be kind of pushing at halftime being a be in a game is not a bad place to be. and In the second half, they got absolutely walked out of the building in a lot of ways, and uh, that is explaining what transpired in this one. All right, I'll have some player stuff coming up in a second when it comes to how bad the bench was, how good the starters were, at least in relative terms, compared to the bench. Before we get to that, though, a worth from our sponsors on the podcast today. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, and the NFL playoffs are here and ongoing, and there's still time to get on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, if you're a new customer, get 150 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet at FanDuel. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose, and the FanDuel Sportsbook app, It's so easy to use. There's so many different ways to bet at FanDuel. They have live stand-game parlays. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best place and the best way to find popular parlays available at FanDuel. Also find bets in the new Explore tab, and they have all the old favorites as well. Point spreads, over-unders, money lines, player props, future bets, and much more. The app is safe, it's secure, and they cover the entire range of sports at FanDuel Sportsbook. They have the NFL, of course, NBA, of course, college sports, MLB one sort of in season, WNBA, golf, tennis, soccer, auto racing, boxing, MMA. It's all there for you at FanDuel. They also have all the stuff you're looking for with the Hawks. That includes the full slate of offerings on each and every game, plus player award stuff, future bets, and much more. And now is an awesome time to set up with the folks at FanDuel Sportsbook. And the place to go is FanDuel.com slash on. Make your first bet a layup with FanDuel Sportsbook one more time. That is FanDuel.com slash on. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. All right, and to the player analysis in this game, not a ton to be excited about, I have to just say, as you might expect, in a lopsided loss. Um, Lundy and Griffin got in late. Not really much to add there. They were in total garbage time. Uh, Trent Forrest, by 15 minutes, did have five assists, uh, some nice passes, had two steals, good solid defense, but um, his offense was certainly not great in this one. Uh, that's not a huge surprise if you watch the game. Uh, he does hurt them in a lot of ways, and there's limitations. There's a reason why Trent Forrest, as much as I appreciate his skill set, was available on a two-way, and it's because he's a very, very, very limited offensive player. And uh, basically asking him to be the point guard without DeJounte is not going to work, and it didn't work in this game. Uh, Garrison Matthews. I will say, Garrison's been playing very well lately. Uh, That shouldn't be lost. He'd been giving them really good minutes in the last week, two weeks, something like that. Like He'd been giving them a lot of good games. He was the worst player for the Hawks in this game. He was really bad. Uh, Minus 23, and that's not the reason why I'm saying that, but like he was... That backed it up. He was 0-6 from three, 1-7 from the field, um, three points, had a turnover and assist, no rebounds. Defensively, he was beat up a little bit by Jonathan Kaminga and others. By the way, Kaminga was 11 for 11 from the field in this game. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't want to pile on Garrison, who, again, has been giving them pretty good minutes, but he was really bad in this one. And I think the combination of the bench guys, um, that just didn't work at all in this one. And Garrison was the one that stuck out the most for me. Uh, Patty Mills... Made shots in the first half hit three threes and second half he was really bad too so in the first half he kind of you know booed them with the, with that shot making but after halftime that lineup with trent patty and garrison eesh. um yeah we'll leave it there for now patty gave him good effort defensively but was uh not quite as effective let's just say after he stopped making all the shots anyway in the first half and then the had a rough had a rough night too I don't, I don't think he was very good he was better at times in the second half but i thought he was kind of a zero in the first half six points seven rebounds. Three turnovers was too many for him. Um, three or five from the floor. He was, you know, not, not a total disaster, but was not very good in this one. Um, to the starters, Capella, 11 points, 11 rebounds for Clint. Had a block. He was all right other than the finishing around the rim. He was three of nine from the floor in this game. Um, I thought he was pretty good, actually, in the middle of the game. He had a rough start, like, an actually, like, a pretty rough first quarter. I thought he was kind of heavily responsible, at least part of the responsibility for the nice run in the second quarter. But um, you know, mixed bag game. I thought the centers were just as a whole, Capella and Kongwu were not particularly good in this one. Capella was a little bit better, I thought, than Kongwu, but still not not a huge gap. And uh, they needed more from those guys. Although they were better this, actually, Clint had the best plus minus on the team in this one. It was minus four in 25 minutes. Uh, Sadiq Bay, if you want to find a bright spot, Sadiq Bay made a few shots in this game. 18.7 rebounds. That's obviously fine. But the big thing is, I've been ta- I've been talking about this a lot recently. Sadiq coming into tonight in the previous 22 games was 35 of 141 from three. That is 24.8%. He has been, in what I have described and accurately, I think, if you look at the numbers, the worst shooting slump of his NBA career. And tonight, he was three of six from three. Now he was three of his first four, so he misses the last two, but him making three three, seeing the ball go in, um, I don't want to overstate it, but certainly uh that's a small positive for this night. And obviously people there's this, there was kind of this debate happening today about whether Sadiq should quote unquote stop shooting my personal opinion I think the opinion of the team almost certainly is going to be like he cannot stop shooting and I know it's frustrating but a guy like Bay in particular gets a lot of his value by being a floor spacer and yeah it'd be great if you made shots but um the minute you stop shooting the minute you don't you don't have confidence and you're not and you're kind of record scratching when you get the ball then defenses don't have to guard you and that hurts everybody else so I like that he they kept shooting in this game and I think that hopefully the results will improve because like, like I said before on uh, in, in recent days, he's a better shooter than this. He's not a great shooter, I don't think he's a good shooter, but certainly uh, not this and I think uh, some positive signs there if you are looking for something something bright to come out of this game. Um, Jalen Johnson, awesome first half, not great second half, which is kind of the whole team. so what I'm not, I'm not picking on Jalen. He had up with 21 points, nine rebounds, six assists, no turnovers. so some really good passes. I will say Jalen made a couple of really high level reads, high level deliveries. It helps when you're 610. And you can make these passes that are above the defense. But um, you definitely saw the whole bag of flashes from Jalen in this game. There's a reason why he has just tantalizing talent. It was fully on display in that first half. Second half, yeah, uneven, not efficient, uh, a little bit more passive. So, like, a lot of stuff to work on. Jalen's still a young player. He's not fully formed. But the fact that he can do this and not play, like, incredibly well at 21-9-6 and 6 in a game where I would say he was, like, more of, like, a B, not like an A, is pretty impressive in itself. Uh, bogey was a really bad defender in this game. That's not new for bogey. Bogey defensively is not the same guy he used to be. He did make four threes, um, three assists, 17 points, no rebounds. Like He shot the ball better than he has. He'd been kind of in a slump as well. I've said this before, but uh, I think Bay's slump has covered up for Bogey's slump because Bo- bogey's not bad as bad as Bay's has been. But four nine from three is fine. But I think defensively, he, his shortcomings stood out in this one, especially in transition. He was one of the problems there as the Hawks were getting beaten up in that aspect. And then DeJounte. 23-7-7 seven and seven for DeJounte in 33 minutes. Uh, he actually had exactly 23 points on 23 shooting possessions because he was not efficient in this game. He was 5-12 of 12 from 2, 2-7 two from 3. Got to the line eight times, though. That's actually good for DeJounte. He's not usually a high foul drawer. So not super efficient, but made a bunch of plays. Um, he was fine in this game. I don't think he was any problem with DeJounte on, on the whole in this one, with team in scoring. But, you know, I, I do the game, uh, sort of the game within a game, of, like, who played well in this game for the Hawks. Guys who performed above their normal baselines, basically no one. I would say there were some guys who played okay in this one. I thought Bay was Bay was pretty solid. Um, you know, Capella in the middle of the game, J1 in the first half, uh, Dejounte was fine. Patty Mills in the first half, but like no one played Capital G good. And a couple of guys, you know Garrison especially was way below his baseline. Kong was below his baseline, um, etc. So just a lost game in a lot of ways. You know, not, not a whole lot else to add, and uh, a blowout loss. And uh, we'll have more coming up later this week. A brief sort of news-slash-trade catch-up here before we get out of here on this fine... Now, I guess it's now Thursday morning as I'm recording this podcast. Not a ton going on, trade rumor-wise, in the last two days as I recorded. I would encourage you to listen to the last podcast, and all the podcasts, honestly. But I've been doing a little bit of a trade segment on all of these podcasts in recent days. My pal Jake Fisher has been on this podcast before. A good friend of mine did report, quote, the Hawks at present are searching for a pair of first-round picks plus a starting-level player for DeJounte Murray end quote uh there are some qualms about what a quote starting level player actually means <laughs> for me that would be like a real rotation level guy who is not an expiring contract personally because obviously this deal if it happens for DeJounte would not be focused on this year it'd be more of the future so like for instance Spencer Dimwitty was thrown around to me he's not an expiring deal like he would not qualify I know he, he is a starting level player you could argue but certainly not somebody who's gonna like probably stick around long term for the Hawks etc., etc. I said this on Twitter, it got some pushback, but I, I believe it. I am skeptical that they will get that reporting asking price. I think Jake is right that that's what they're asking for, but I will be surprised. I'm not saying it's impossible. I, w- I would be surprised if the Hawks got two real first-round picks and what I would describe as a starting-level player on a you know non-expiring contract. Could they get that? Sure. I, I'd be surprised, so we'll see. And I do think, though, smartly, the Hawks are trying to market that like that right now. And look, it's a little bit cooler right now behind the scenes than it was a week to 10 days ago. That could just be the Hawks try not to be desperate and dim down the notion that they actually have to do something before the deadline. you try to increase your leverage. Um, so once the like flurry of activity happened about a week and a half ago, where it seemed like there might be a deal like any minute. Once that stopped, it might be smart from the front office to kind of like play a little bit slow. They have two more weeks to go, but it's a little bit cooler right now. I will say behind the scenes than it has been. Um, that's all kind of all I have on that. Nothing really new on a rumor front. So stay tuned for all, more on that as we get going um, further and further toward the deadline, which is again in two weeks from today. As you listen to this podcast on Thursday, uh, one bit of non-trade news is that Trey Young was named to the 41-player pool of candidates for the Olympic team for the U.S. this summer in Paris. And of course, it does not mean he's going to make the team but he's at least in play and on the player pool roster. He was pretty outspoken last year about wanting to play and being uh, not happy that they was not asked to play. I understand that he probably should have been on that team, given who who was not playing for the USA. Um, I don't think if I had to guess right now, Trey's going to make the team, but I think at a a bare minimum he should have been on the list and he was. So that's something Um, we'll keep an eye on that. I'm sure. And if he makes the team, I'll be covering it in depth on this podcast. If he doesn't, then probably a little bit less, but alas that's coming up uh, after season is actually over. All right, before we get out of here, last thing. The Hawks play again on Friday against Dallas at home. PSA, that's actually an early tip-off. It's a 7 o'clock game on, uh, I believe it's NBA, NBA TV, out of market, and, of course, local local stuff actually over the air on TV, etc. Uh, a pretty tough turnaround again, schedule-wise. The Hawks had this bizarre two-game West Coast trip with neither an off day before or an off day after now they had an off day from games but that's that's a normal travel day so usually when you go to the west coast you have an extra day somewhere nope and before that they had a back-to-back so like a weird schedule run here for the hawks i will say once they get home they have that game on friday and then they actually start a six game homestand so it's it's a little bit friendlier now for a while which is probably going to be nice for the hawks in a lot of ways Uh, dallas is having a solid year not a special year i would say at this point uh, the Mavs lost tonight at home to the Suns by a pre-lopsided margin. They're 24-20, and 20, so that's a winnable game. Um, still not one that I would say the Hawks are like super-duper favorites in, but we'll see about Trae Young's status between now and then, and uh, that's always an interesting uh, get-together when the Mavs and Hawks play, especially in Atlanta. So we'll have coverage of that game, as we always will. I might have a show on Thursday. I don't know quite yet what's happening. I have some irons in the fire, but uh, please subscribe to this podcast. Anywhere you get your pod- podcasts, please uh, also rate and review the show. If the uh, podcast player of choice actually uses the word follow instead of subscribe, same thing. Uh, YouTube, likes are appreciated as well. Um, ratings, reviews, please subscribe and also share the podcast. If you are a fan of the show or if you enjoy the show in any way, please find someone in your life and share the podcast with them or share on social media or both. Follow us on Twitter at Lots on hawks, Follow me on Twitter at BT BTRoland. Also write about the Hawks on a regular basis at patreon.com slash BTRoland. I appreciate everyone listening. Please forgive any, uh, thing that I might have said that was off the rails on this podcast, because I'm as I'm recording this, it's about 2 a.m. Eastern time, so I am uh, pretty tired at this point. But back at home on regular hours this weekend, we'll have more coverage of what's going on with the Hawks. I really do appreciate everybody listening to the show. Subscribe, rate, review, and uh, with all that said, we'll see you at the very latest after the game on Friday.